Chapter Eight of Mount Royal, Volume Two by Mary Elizabeth Braden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. I have put my days and dreams out of mind. It was the end of May when Christabel and her husband went back to England and to Mount Royal. Leonard wanted to stay in London for the season and to participate in the amusements and dissipation of that golden time, but this his wife most steadfastly refused she would be guilty of no act which could imply want of respect for her beloved dead she would not make her curtsy to her sovereign in her new character of a matron or go into society within the year of her aunt's death you will be horribly moped in cornwall remonstrated leonard everything about the place will remind you of my poor mother we shall be in the dolefuls all the year i would rather grieve for her than forget her answered christabel it is too easy to forget well you must have your own way i suppose you generally do retorted leonard churlishly and after having dragged me about a lot of mouldy old french towns and made me look at churches and roman baths and the sights of ancient circuses until i hated the very name of antiquity you will expect me to vegetate at mount royal for the next six months i don't see any reason why a quiet life should be mere vegetation said christabel but if you would prefer to spend part of the year in london i can stay at mount royal and get on uncommonly well without me cried leonard i perfectly comprehend your meaning but i am not going in for that kind of thing you and i must not offer the world another example of the semi-attached couple or else people might begin to say you had married a man you did not care for i will try and make your life as agreeable as i can at the manor leonard christabel answered with supreme equanimity it was an aggravation to her husband that she so rarely lost her temper so long as you do not ask me to fill the house with visitors or to do anything that might look like want of reverence for your mother's memory look ejaculated leonard what does it matter how things look we both know that we are sorry for having lost her that we shall miss her more or less every day of our lives visitors or no visitors however you needn't invite any people i can rub on with a little fishin and boatin they went back to mount royal where all things had gone as if by clockwork during their absence under miss bridgman's sage administration to relieve her loneliness christabel had invited two of the younger sisters from shepherd's bush to spend the spring months at the manor house and these damsels tall vigorous active had revelled exceedingly in all the luxuries and pleasures of a rural life under the most advantageous circumstances they had scoured the hills had rifled the hedges of their abundant wild flowers had made friends with all christabel's chosen families in the surrounding cottages had fallen in love with the curate who was doing duty at minster and forabury had been buffeted by the winds and tossed by the waves in many a delightful boating excursion had climbed the rocky steeps of tintagel so often that they seemed to know every stone of that ruined citadel and now had gone home to shepherd's bush their cheeks bright with country bloom and their meagre trunks overshadowed by a gigantic hamper of country produce christabel felt a bitter pang as the carriage drew up to the porch and she saw the neat little figure in a black gown waiting to receive her thinking of that tall and noble form which should have stood there the welcoming arms which should have received her rewarding and blessing her for her self-sacrifice the sacrifice had been made but death had swallowed up the blessing and reward and in that intermediate land of slumber where the widow lay there could be no knowledge of gain no satisfaction in the thought of her son's happiness even granting that leonard was supremely happy in his marriage a fact which christabel deemed open to doubt no there had been nothing gained 
except that diana tregonell's last days had been full of peace her one cherished hope realized on the very threshold of the tomb christabel tried to take comfort from this knowledge if i had denied her to the last if she had died with her wish ungratified i think i should be still more sorry for her loss she told herself there was bitter pain in the return to a home where that one familiar figure had been the central point the very axis of life jessie led the new mrs tregonell into the panelled parlour where every object was arranged just as in the old days the tea-table on the left of the wide fireplace the large low armchair and the book-table on the right the room was bright with white and crimson may azaleas tea-roses i thought it was best for you to get accustomed to the rooms without her said jessie in a low voice as she placed christabel in the widow's old chair and helped to take off her hat and mantle and i thought you would not like anything changed not for worlds the house is a part of her in my mind it was she who planned everything as it now is just adding as many new things as were needful to brighten the old i will never alter a detail unless i am absolutely obliged i am so thankful to hear you say that major brie is coming to dinner he wanted to be among the first to welcome you i hope you don't mind my having told him he might come i shall be very glad to see him he is a part of my old life here i hope he is very well splendid the soul of activity and good temper i can't tell you how good he was to my sisters taking them about everywhere i believe they both went away deeply in love with him or at least with their affections divided between him and mr ponsonby mr ponsonby was the curate a bachelor and of pleasing appearance leonard had submitted reluctantly to the continued residence of miss bridgman at mount royal he had been for dismissing her as a natural consequence of his mother's death but here again christabel had been firm jessie is my only intimate friend she said and she is associated with every year of my girlhood she shall be no trouble to you leonard and she will help me to save your money this last argument had a softening effect mr tregonell knew that jessie bridgman was a good manager he had affected to despise her economies while it was his mother's purse which was spared but now that the supplies were drawn from his own resources he was less disposed to be contemptuous of care in the administrator of his household major brie was in the drawing-room when christabel came down dressed for dinner looking delicately lovely in her flowing gown of soft dull black with white flowers and white crape about her neck the major's cheerful presence did much to help mr tregonell and his wife through that first dinner at mount royal he had so many small local events to tell them about news too insignificant to be recorded in jessie's letters but not without interest for christabel who loved place and people then after dinner he begged his hostess to play declaring that he had not heard any good music during her absence and christabel who had cultivated her musical talents assiduously in every interval of loneliness and leisure which had occurred in the course of her bridal tour was delighted to play to a listener who could understand and appreciate the loftiest flights in harmony the major was struck with the improvement in her style she had always played sweetly but not with his breath and power you must have worked very hard in these last few months he said yes i made the best use of every opportunity i had some lessons from a very clever german professor at nice music kept me from brooding on my loss she added in a low voice i hope you will not grow less industrious now you have come home said the major most women give mozart and beethoven to the winds when they marry shut up their piano altogether or at most aspire to play a waltz for their children's dancing 
i shall not be one of those music will be my chief pursuit now the major felt that although this was a very proper state of things from an artistic point of view it argued hardly so well for the chances of matrimonial bliss that need of a pursuit after marriage indicated a certain emptiness in the existence of the wife a life closed and rounded in the narrow circle of a wedding-ring hardly leaves room for the assiduous study of art and now began for christabel a life which seemed to her to be in some wise a piece of mechanism an automatic performance of daily recurring duties an hourly submission to society which had no charm for her a life which would have hung as heavily upon her spirit as the joyless monotony of a convict prison had it not been for the richness of her own mental resources and her love of the country in which she lived she could not be altogether unhappy roaming with her old friend jessie over those wild romantic hills or facing the might of that tremendous ocean grand and somewhat awful even in its calmest aspect nor was she unhappy seated in her own snug morning-room among the books she loved books which were always opening new worlds of thought and wonder books of such inexhaustible interest that she was often inclined to give way to absolute despair at the idea of how much of this world's wisdom must remain unexplored even at the end of a long life de quincey has shown by figures that not the hardest reader can read half the good old books that are worth reading to say nothing of those new books daily claiming to be read no for a thoroughly intellectual woman loving music loving the country tender and benevolent to the poor such a life as christabel was called upon to lead in this first year of marriage could not be altogether unhappy here were two people joined by the strongest of all human ties and yet utterly unsympathetic but they were not always in each other's company and when they were together the wife did her best to appear contented with her lot and to make life agreeable to her husband she was more punctilious in the performance of every duty she owed him than she would have been had she loved him better she never forgot that his welfare was a charge which she had taken upon herself to please the kinswoman to whom she owed so much the debt was all the more sacred since she to whom it was due had passed away to the land where there is no knowledge of earthly conduct the glory of summer grew and faded the everlasting hills changed with all the varying lights and shadows of autumn and winter and in the tender early spring when all the trees were budding and the hawthorn hedges were unfolding crinkly green leaves among the brown christabel's heart melted with a new strange emotion of maternal love a son was born to the lord of the manor and while all boscastle rejoiced at this important addition to the population christabel's pale face shone with a new radiance as the baby face looked up at her from the pillow by her side eyes clear and starlike with a dreamy far-away gaze which was almost more lovely than the recognizing looks of older eyes a being hardly sentient of the things of earth but bright with memories of the spirit world the advent of this baby boy gave a new impulse to christabel's life she gave herself up to these new cares and duties with intense devotion and for the next six months of her life was so entirely engrossed by her child that leonard considered himself neglected she deferred her presentation at court till the next season and leonard was compelled to be satisfied with an occasional brief holiday in london during which he naturally relapsed into the habits of his bachelor days dined and gamed at the old clubs and went about everywhere with his friend and ally jack vandeleur christabel had been married two years and her boy was a year old when she went back to the old house in bolton row with her husband to enjoy her second season of fashionable pleasures how hard it was to return under such altered circumstances to the rooms in which she had been so happy to see everything unchanged except her own life 
the very chairs and tables seemed to be associated with old joys old griefs all the sharp agony of that bitter day on which she had made up her mind to renounce angus hamley came back to her as she looked around the room in which the pain had been suffered the flavour of old memories was mixed with all the enjoyments of the present the music she heard this year was the same music they two had heard together and here was this smiling park all green leaves and sunlight filled with this seeming frivolous crowd in almost every detail the scene they two had contemplated amused and philosophical four years ago the friends who called on her and invited her now were the same people among whom she had visited during her first season people who had been enraptured at her engagement to mr hamley were equally delighted at her marriage with her cousin or at least said so albeit more than one astute matron drove away from bolton row sighing over the folly of marriage between first cousins and marvelling that christabel's baby was not deaf blind or idiotic among other old acquaintance young mrs tregonell met the dowager lady cumberbridge at a great dinner more medusa-like than ever in a curly auburn wig after madame de montespan and a diamond coronet christabel shrank from the too well-remembered figure with a faint shudder but lady cumberbridge swooped upon her like an elderly hawk when the ladies were on their way back to the drawing-room and insisted upon being friendly my dear child where have you been hiding yourself all these years she exclaimed in her fine baritone i saw your marriage in the papers and your poor aunt's death and i was expecting to meet you and your husband in society last season you didn't come to town a baby i suppose just so those horrid babies in the coming century there will be some better arrangement for carrying on the species how well you are looking and your husband is positively charming he sat next me at dinner and we were friends in a moment how proud he is of you it is quite touching to see a man so devoted to his wife and now they were in the subdued light of the drawing-room by this time light judiciously tempered by ruby-coloured venetian glass now tell me all about my poor friend was she long ill and with a ghoulish interest in horrors the dowager prepared herself for a detailed narration of mrs tregonell's last illness but christabel could only falter out a few brief sentences even now she could hardly speak of her aunt without tears and it was painful to talk of her to this worldly dowager with keen eyes glittering under penthouse brows and a hard eager mouth in all that london season christabel only once heard her old lover's name carelessly mentioned at a dinner-party he was talked of as a guest at some diplomatic dinner at st petersburg early in the year End of chapter eight